0: Everybody, this is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life, because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, the premier free writing magazine on the internet featuring articles on writing, writing life, and video and audio interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres, got a new issue coming out June 1st, so that's in uh, two days. Oh, and I had a great conversation with novelist and musician Willie Vlaughton. What a story he told me about the first novel he ever wrote. It's a great creation story. Uh, really exemplifies the way in which the subconscious takes over a story. He's a great guy. It was a great conversation. That'll be up in just a couple days at authormagazine.org. You can check it out there. And we're funded by the fabulous Pacific Northwest Writers Association. Supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955. You can, uh, well, if you want to join the Pacific Northwest, if you're in the Pacific Northwest, it's a good thing to join. Lots of support, classes, Uh, monthly meetings where we talk about the craft and the business of writing. But also, if you're not in the Pacific Northwest, it's okay. You can still attend those monthly meetings virtually, and everyone is welcome to attend their yearly writers' conference this year, starting this year, 2018, in September here. Big conference for editors and agents and writers from all over the country will convene here in the Seattle area to talk about writing and publishing, craft, the business, Stories will be pitched. Deals will get done. I hope you're there. I'll be there teaching. Yes, I will. Uh, okay, uh, not much going on right now for me. Nothing to report. So let's just dive into the show. Let's. Huh? I'm glad I got today's guest when I did. She's a rising literary star. Yes, she is. Jessica Knoll has been a senior editor at Cosmopolitan, was the article's editor itself, but she's also the author of the New York Times bestselling novel, The Luckiest Girl Alive, which was recently purchased by Lionsgate and will be produced by none other than Reese Witherspoon. But her second novel, The Favorite Sister, it's another big one, another bestseller, and I've got her on the show with me today. Hello, Jessica. How are you doing?
1: Hi, I'm great. Thank you for having me.
0: You're welcome. Uh, okay, so it's May 29th, the day we're actually recording this. I don't know what time or day it is when the listeners are listening, but that's when we're recording it. And this book's been out two weeks now, give or take, about yes. the 15th that
1: came out. Yep, it's yeah? exactly two weeks today, actually, now that I think um, about it.
0: Oh, your little girl is two weeks old. Okay, so so how are you doing? Like, How is this for you, the post-publication glow. How do you how do you deal with this? Do you like it? Do you find it anxious? How is it for you?
1: I think it's different with every book. Um it was very exciting with my first novel. I think there's definitely more pressure with the second book. There's expectations and, you know, people counting on you. So this one has probably been a little bit more stressful than the first one. Um but it's right. also very exciting. Yeah, you you sit and you work alone and you um, you know, you're very isolated when you're doing this. So it's always great to get out there and, and meet readers and talk to people about the book and the characters and um, kind of give you the necessary human contact to go back <laughs> to hiding again to work on the next one.
0: Yeah, so I'm going to get into it a little bit, but obviously, uh, as I mentioned in the intro, you'd worked at Cosmo and at Self, so big magazines, Mm -hmm. and you're dealing with a lot of people, I'm sure, for that job. How do you like most, not most, I would say 98% of the novelists I know or the book writers I know like sitting alone in a room with them and their thoughts and a a screen or a blank page. Do you like that aspect of it, the solitude of it, or do you find it – kind of maddening.
1: I definitely miss um, the camaraderie of being in an office and pitch meetings and, um, and just having people to kind of talk to and get lunch with during the day. But at the same time, I wouldn't trade the way my life is now, the way my career is now for that because, you know, I'm my own boss. I have a, a level of flexibility in my life that I never would have had, you know, or I never did have working in that. And, you know, I get to be true to to my voice and to my ideas, and I'm not, you know, kind of – I'm not designing for somebody else. Um, So that's the sort of, like, freedom and autonomy that I think a lot of writers um, really cherish.
0: All right, so let's let's go back. Let's back up a little bit. Uh, Let's go back even before – the work at the magazines was writing always on the horizon for you. I, you know, I, I, I love to talk to writers about sort of when they first recognized that they cared about writing the average age, believe it or not, I, if by my loose calculations is nine. That's when a lot of people kind of mm. wake up and realize this is interesting, but not all like Wally Lamb didn't know until he was in his thirties, I think. Um, mm. So like, when did it dawn on you that you were interested in, in just writing period storytelling of any kind?
1: I don't think I can actually assign an age to it because it, it has been just such a part of my experience for so long, just knowing that I had a passion for writing, that I was good at it, that my teachers recognized it, my parents recognized it. Um, so It was very young, um, and and yeah, like all throughout grade school and middle school and into high school, um, I was pretty clear-eyed about uh, my dream to become a writer, um, but you know, I definitely struggled with how I would pay the bills, how I would make that happen, and I don't think there's a lot right. of direction for kids who, who, who want to go that way in life about how you actually practically do this. Um, right. So, I, I, you know, I, I figured that out on, on my own, I'm, and I'm grateful that I was able to do that because, um, you, know, it would, you know, it would be a little heartbreaking not to be able to make a living out of the thing that you love the most.
0: Right. Yeah, and it's a struggle for a lot of people. It's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. The issue of money is what uh, – I, I, I'm a coach, too. I'm like a writing life coach kind of person, and that issue is big for a lot of people. Just the emotional end of it, uh, I think that – I don't know what your relationship to money was, but for some people, money is so tied to sort of the gritty business of survival that they don't want to sully the beauty of their art. By mixing the mm-hmm. two or they'd like to but they're afraid that one will be ruined by the other does that make sense
1: it does it's not something i relate to i i would like to make a lot of money off my writing <laughs> that's always been <laughs> good for good well I you think. should yeah and I, i'm fortunate that like my writing has been um economically fruitful for me um i don't know if i would have i don't I wouldn't have continued with this as my only avenue if it hadn't been um it it probably would have been something more more of a hobby or or like a side hustle to, sort of thing
0: right yeah, but when you said you wanted to be a writer, you know this there's a million things to write you could write poetry you can mm-hmm. write screenplays, you can be a journalist you know you can write some people don't even. Think of writing fiction like it has to be nonfiction or so on. When you, was it for you in your mind from your in your young person's heart was it? Were you a fiction reader first of all? Did you read a lot of fiction as a young as a teenager and
1: uh, young person? Yeah, I was always a big reader, but a lot of it was guided by what we were assigned in school, what our teachers wanted uh, us to write. And that was a lot of classics and. I didn't read a lot of contemporary fiction until I was out of college um, and I didn't really find my voice. I think for a while I knew I wanted to be a writer. I didn't know what kind of writer. And then when I was in college, there was a screenwriting class. And so that said, spoke to me in a way like there's a class for this. There's, you know, there could be a future as a screenwriter. So I thought I would go that way because we didn't have any classes that were like fiction writing, um, or, you know, memoir writing, like there was nothing like that. So I did initially think I would try and become a screenwriter. And I worked at an agency just out of college to learn the kind of business end of things and very quickly realized I was in New York and I could work in magazines and I could earn a paycheck um, and a byline.
0: Right, and so was this a talent agency or like a like a like an age like a like a literary agency for for, for a, screenwriters
1: yeah, it was a well, it was a talent yeah. agency, but they had they have a very robust uh literary department as well okay
0: all right, and so you sort of learned the business did you did you feel like you actually did learn some of the business side of it when you were while you were at the agency?
1: No, I think I was just too junior to uh yeah. have really absorbed anything, and I definitely learned. working in magazines was a much more hands-on experience and again that was something that I was guided toward doing in college you know no one ever said why don't you try and get a job in magazines you know I wish that had someone had floated that (laughs) idea for me
0: Uh, something that's satisfying when you figure it out for yourself though isn't it isn't there something gratifying when it just came from you completely
1: It is, but you do think of how many people are deterred from this path because they don't see, you know, they don't really see, like, a realistic way to do it. Um, And I definitely definitely feel like I got a late start in magazines even, like, two years out of college. I felt like I was with other assistants, editorial assistants who had had internships all throughout their college experience. And I would have loved to have had something like that when I was still in
0: school. You see, but maybe you are somebody, Jessica – who will be the voice to help young people who do who who could be guided? Is it possible you yeah. could do it? Me mean, not now. You as you're flying around your career, which is great, but it sounds like that's of interest to you. Maybe you could you could be a part of teaching them, mentoring them. What do you think?
1: Oh, I think it sounds exhausting. <laughs> I, when I, when I
0: someone needs to do it, but
1: not me. Yeah, uh, I, I to totally understand. As a, as a- Yeah, as a a female writer who's written a lot about, like, personal experiences, I do think that I, an additional thing that that seems to happen is you take on a lot of emotional labor from other readers and other women who have, like, you know, who have had like-minded experiences in life. So I'm happy to talk about my experience and hope that, like, it helps, you know, I don't know, just crystallize, you know, a path for some people, but I don't know about taking on, like, a, a, proper mentor role. That sounds like a lot
0: of work. Well, maybe it's too. Maybe it's not the right time. You'll be speaking. Yeah, people are going to ask you to speak, time. I'm sure, and talk about stuff, and that, I'm sure, will be a great opportunity just to test the ones. I just, I feel like yeah. you're, you're, I feel like there's something in you that wants to be, oh, I, I want to say example, but that's not the right word. Well, I'm going to come, forget it. I'm putting that one aside for now. <laughs> I wanted to talk to you about something you said, which is that and I think this is interesting, which is that you read the classics in college, which are great, but mm-hmm. it made it was a big deal to me when I actually really started reading my contemporaries, people who were my age, who are publishing right now, because I was so used to reading dead people. That was kind of all mm-hmm. I read. And so it was kind of a disorienting thing. Like, I knew intellectually people were writing stuff besides The Grapes of Wrath, but that's not what I was swimming around in. So... Was it helpful? I mean, I would think screenwriting would be a great way to feel your sense of contemporaneousness with all the creative people. Was that useful in that way? So it's something a live, living person could do and and, and find their own voice in, as opposed to just there's this one, you know, sort of stuffy way to do things. Does that make sense? Yeah,
1: I think I think that's why it was appealing to me. Um, but I also didn't really know how you just become a screenwriter, and my professor suggested that. I work at the agency to kind of get a sense of how things work, um, but I also quickly realized when I was there that I wasn't getting that sense. Um, but and and then when I moved into magazines, what what ends up happening is a lot of the magazine editors had independent, separate writing careers, had published novels. So uh, that was really the uh, real learning experience for me was talking to them about how they had done that, how they had gotten an agent, how you get you know, a publisher, who pays you, who, pu- you know, right. who publicizes it, all of that stuff became very clear to me once I was kind of, as you say, swimming around other published authors. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's helpful, isn't it? Because it, it makes it more yeah. tangible. Because writing is weird because it's just did. these names on the page. They don't seem like people, even if they, it's just, it's very removed from reality, I think, anyway. It's nice to put an actual face to it.
1: Yeah, right. And to see that it's an actual it's something you can accomplish um, was w- gave me a, a pretty big confidence boost.
0: And so, okay, so you're working – was Cosmopolitan the first place or was Self the first – where was the first magazine you worked at?
1: Uh, Cosmo was at, was where I mainly worked when I was in magazines. I was there five years, and then I was at Self for the year and a half um, and left right before – about five months before Luckiest Girl Alive came out.
0: Okay. And so, all right. So you're there, and in the back of your head is screenwriting. But you meet. So you're writing actual. I assume you're writing content for these magazines, not just editing, but actually writing stuff. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I was. Maybe
0: not. Mm-hmm. Were you? Yeah. Okay.
1: I, no, I And so was you're starting writing, to get yeah.
0: your chops as a as a story, because you have to be able to tell a story, even if it's your, you're you're always structuring a, a narrative in your pieces, right?
1: Right. Some yeah, kind. Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so did you feel like that was helpful to kind of get your prose chops, just used to seeing your words in print and getting the idea of sharing your work with millions of strangers kind of thing? Was that helpful?
1: Yeah, it was helpful. I think definitely the from the perspective of learning to build a narrative, learning to find a, an interesting angle, um, it definitely it kept me sharp. Um, and it allowed me – and I was also – I was assisting at the time. He was um, the books editor at Cosmo, and so I was in charge of all the advanced copies that came in, of organizing them in the books closet, and I had to do memos for all the top editors about, you know, big books that were coming out in the next coming months. Um, right. And so I started to get a little bit of an education about other contemporary authors, other books. I started to see, like, what made for a big book, what made for a, a book that got people excited and talking about it early. Um, so I also, you know, I, I, that was also like a, you know, pulling back the cart, the curtain a little bit, and it made the whole process seem a little less mysterious, um, which right. is, I think that's the hardest thing, you know, when you're, when you're trying to accomplish something is, esoteric is writing a book or a screenplay is that there's no, you know, there's no set path for something like that. So it can be really no. helpful to learn from other people's journeys.
0: When you say you saw what books were, you know, were really were big books and were resonating with a lot of people, was there also crossover in terms of what excited you? Uh, you know, because sometimes books will do great, but you might look at them and go, I just cannot connect with this thing at all. Was there also a personal connection to what you saw was working commercially?
1: yeah and I at the time this was I don't know two thousand eight so there um, were there was a um a heavy emphasis on magazine writers writing um kind of romance type books um, and I uh-huh. connect with that um that just wasn't the the, that wasn't the story that was like calling my name Um, and then right around that time I got an advanced copy of Dark Places by Gillian Flynn which is her second book and that was really the book that made me realize like oh like this is the type of female voice I want to craft like I can relate to Libby um, I can relate to her anger and you know she like not always very nice and I thought that was very interesting because right. at the time there weren't a lot of female characters I mean of course there are always uh, quote-unquote unlikable female characters in literature spanning right. centuries but like they weren't celebrated um, the way right. they're celebrated now. Right.
0: So that see, that see that's always an important moment where you see something that you want to – I remember when I was young, I, I had a little success writing poetry when I was in my early 20s, and it was all based on one line from a Wallace Stevens poem I read. It was like, it was, tick it, tack it, turn it true, bang it from a savage blue. And I loved the way that sounded, and that inspired like hmm. all these poems. It was enough to give me a sort of grounding. And it struck yeah. me how important it was not to imitate him, but just give me something to sort of tune my ear to. And it sounds like Jillian Flynn's novel did that for you. She just – you saw that you're not the only – I just think it helps to have a little bit of a beacon just when you're starting, you know?
1: Yeah, uh, I definitely agree. And uh, that book was that for me.
0: Yeah, that's – and so – and so, and so the novelist in you is percolating is it is 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 she percolating while you're writing these uh while you're writing for the magazines or are you did you write novels before The Luckiest Girl Alive and and shelve them or was that your first book you wrote the first novel you wrote No, that
1: was the first book I wrote um and Wow. I didn't I didn't start thinking about it. It took me a couple of years to even think that this is something I would or could do. Um and And I I thought on it for probably a year or two, and I would sit down every now and then and write a page or two, and it just wouldn't, it just, I didn't know where I was going with it, and so I would put it away, and I think after a certain point of marinating on an idea long enough, um, things just kind of clicked and fell into place, and also at the time, they brought in a new editor-in-chief at Cosmo, and I was very scared for the security of my job. I thought she might bring in her own team um, and I right. would be, you know, out of a job. And I, that did happen. I did end up keeping my job, um, but it scared me enough to think like I need a plan B here. Like this isn't, I don't think I can. <laughs> novels was a, your plan B? <laughs> novels were my plan B. Yeah. Cause I, wow. I saw the yeah. I all the way. I saw the way the magazine industry was going, and I just knew, um, I just knew it was a limited path, and I could already see that, you know, five years ago, six years ago. Yeah. Um, and I, I just thought, like, I need, I need kind of a backup plan, something to fall back on.
0: Wow. Okay. So that was, and so about, so all this is going on, and and you, and something clicks in, and and the book, luckiest that would become luckiest girl alive. It it makes sense to you. Do you remember what that was like when you when you got sort of you understood how to when when you started understanding what it was and how you could put it together? Can you put your finger on that, or was it so gradual you can't even kind of remember how you figured out how to write a novel?
1: It was pretty gradual, and I do sometimes wish that I had been journaling around that time so I could have tracked it better. But I just I just recall one day it was working, and I just got into a groove. Um, but I can't even recall what day that was um, right? because when I finally sat down to write it, it just, there was no break after that. It was just, I sat down and I, and I didn't stop working on it for nine or 10 months until it was done. Um, All
0: right. Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: So it was kind so of, like of like a little bit of like, yeah, it was a little bit of a magic moment, I think.
0: That's great. That's great. Those are great moments. And now, I didn't read – I didn't, haven't read The Luckiest Girl Alive. Is it also written in, in – in, because Favorite Sister, well, it's readable stuff, I have to say. For readers, this one is a page-turner, but it's got a, a unique voice and voices, really, in the first person, uh, different points of view. Was Luckiest Girl Alive also in the first person?
1: It was, yes, and it's only yeah. one yeah. – it's only told from Ani Pinelli's, um
0: perspective. Okay. From one point of view, and uh, yeah. you, you must be comfortable in that first person. You must like it, or maybe that's just now your voice, and you got to do it whether you, whether you
1: want to or not. I am comfortable with it. I have thought about um, you know bridging out, and I did attempt that with uh, when I first started on early drafts with The Favorite Sister, but I couldn't really I couldn't really let go, um, in, and I needed to be able to just. Do something that felt familiar and comfortable. Um, so right. I went back to first person, but I'm not, you know, I'm not married to that forever. Um, but I do think that's that's probably um, a little bit of a comfort point for me right now.
0: Well, it's good. You're it's it's a very strong voice. I mean, I know its voice but the. Um It's uh, got a lot of energy in it and a lot of uh, intelligence also. So I just – anyway, you found something there. So congratulations. And so, okay, Luckiest Girl Alive, you write it, get in a groove, you find a publisher. Was that difficult, or were you you, you able to do that relatively quickly?
1: Yeah, it was pretty – it was, again, another kind of magic moment. I mean, my agent was someone – that I didn't have to query for because I met her um, at the agency when we were both assistants right out of college oh, okay. and
0: oh, nice. she when I
1: I moved on to magazine she stayed, was promoted as an agent and so she was also always checking in with me here and there over the years, uh, you know, just saying like I read this article, I love still thinking about writing a book, you should do it and so I kind of already had I, I had someone that made it easier to do, too, knowing That's I had nice. someone who believed in me and wanted to work with me, yeah. Um, yeah, and she, I just, yeah, she took it out on a Friday, and by Monday, we had a preemptive order, uh, preemptive <laughs> offer, sorry. From, I don't don't um,
0: tell that anyone that story.
1: don't sure. <laughs> <You better laughs> keep that story. And, um, oh my God!
0: They could hunt great. you down. Okay, but that's all right. So boom, yeah. boom. I figured it. I have to say, I figured that was the case. It just seemed like that kind of a book. I mean, and or, yeah. I, I, even though I didn't read it, just I got the sense um, that that was the way it went. And so, and it's a bestseller. What was that like for you? Was that disorienting, from being this? Well, maybe I don't. Know, was it? Was it weird for you, or do, were no. you just pretty? I was like I, I
1: kind of expected this. I did a little bit only because I was naive. Um, I didn't know how (laughs) difficult it is to make the New York Times bestseller list, and I think there was a little bit of like ignorance is bliss. Like I had going into it, I had visibility because Reese Witherspoon was attached as a producer, and she had been tweeting about it and putting it on her Instagram. And so I that I felt like that just gave me a leg up in a way. I remember my editor was when she gave me the news that it made the the list. She was like, You don't understand, this doesn't happen. Like, this is, she hadn't been expecting it to happen. And I was kind of right. It's like, going to happen. But now I understand <laughs> what she was talking about because I'm a little bit more seasoned this time around.
0: Right. And so, uh, well, oh, so, so, Reese with a spoon, so they, they, had, they'd gotten it to her before it was published. It was one of those deals?
1: Yes. She was, she was right. on, she was signed on as a producer about six months before it published.
0: Oh, that's nice. Oh, that's awesome. And, and we think it's actually going to happen. I know how it can go. Does it seem like it's yeah, actually,
1: you know? Yeah. I mean, um, I am told that this is a priority for them. They want to make it happen. I did the screenplay and it's been approved by the studio and, it's, you know, right. it's out to directors. We have a director who's very interested right now. But, you know, I just, I keep moving forward with the things that I can control. I've done my part with this. Yeah. I worked really hard on the script. I'm really proud of it. Um, and now, you know, I hope and I trust that I have great, you know, it's in the hands of great people. And, and we will see um, it on screen at some point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I forget who we interviewed. Gotten his 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 first his debut YA novel turned into a television series and it was it too was sort of option before it was published but the guy came to him the producer and said look this is your first yes the fact that said there are 13 more yeses that have to happen between now and the thing actually appearing so don't sit around waiting for those and then one day yeah, this was the 13th yes you know so, there's, there's so writing. many yeses that have to happen for something to actually it
1: make not to yeah. say yours wouldn't it's so- but
0: it's such a weird process compared to books.
1: It is a weird instance. process. You have to corral a lot of people. Everyone's schedule, everyone is booked up years in advance. So, yeah, yeah. I learn pretty quickly that like it is a little bit like pushing a boulder up a mountain. It happens, but um, but a lot goes into making that happen.
0: But, okay, so you finished that, but you didn't allow the success of the luckiest girl alive, or maybe you did, to, to somehow psychologically prevent you from diving into the favorite sister. The second book syndrome can't second book syndrome can be rough for some people, but how'd you do with that? All the expectation, yeah. the money, the readers. I'm, how'd that go?
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm glad to know that there is a second book syndrome out there and people have spoken about it because I've definitely experienced it. And it's nice to know, like um, you're not alone. If you know, you feel like, okay, other authors have been here before. It was definitely challenging. I also, um, between the publication of Luckiest Girl and The Favorite Sister, I moved across the country to Los Angeles, and the move was really stressful. It was really stressful trying to find a new home, um, leaving all my friends and family. So, yeah. trying to write the book in the middle of kind of a major life change, um, oh. and that I think it would have been difficult even without a move, um, but that definitely compounded it. So, yeah. I think in some ways I'm more proud of this book than I am This Girl just because it didn't flow so easily. It did take right. um it did take a lot of grit to get it done. Um and I'm I'm really proud that I'm really proud that it's out there now.
0: Well, it, it boy, it just it just gets you right away, I have to say. And uh I was just on your Twitter feed and I saw Andy is his name Andy Cohen? I'm sorry, I'm so out of the yeah. I'm so <laughs> out of the I saw he was very happy about your book. You must have been excited.
1: I was very excited. He was very kind. He, he gave me a call last week and said that he loved it. And, you know, the book is about a group of women on reality TV show. Yeah. And,
0: yeah, yeah, you know,
1: there's definitely – they. It's things have been inspired by some of the shows on Bravo. And, I, you know, I sent him a copy of the book. I didn't even know if he had received it, but I just hoped that he would see – you know, that the book is an homage uh, to these women and these shows. And I'm so glad that um, that was, you know, his response.
0: Well, that's really cool. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank
1: you. Uh, Thank
0: you're you. obviously doing something you love to do uh, and you're having success at it. I just, I'm, I al- I'm always inspired when I talk to anyone who's doing what they love and thriving doing it. So that's just awesome. Uh, it's just awesome. And I, and I hope I assume there's more novels. Don't talk. Don't tell me about them. But I assume you can, if you aren't already started on them, you can probably feel one rumbling around in you.
1: Yeah, there's definitely more to come. So this is this is not the end of <laughs> the end of it I,
0: No, I didn't think so. I didn't think so. All right. Well, listen, I'm not <laughs> quite done with you. I'm not quite done with you. I'm, I'm gonna have one more question. But actually, before I do that, uh, uh, if people, if people are like, I've gotta know more about Jessica Knoll. Uh, they should go to com. Is that the is that the website?
1: That's my website. Yeah.
0: Oh, okay. And do you ever tour around and talk to the your adoring fans, or are you a uh, uh, do you stay at home and hide in your room? Which do you <laughs> favor? No,
1: I just. Well, I just got back from my tour. So, um, Okay. So that's know, done for yeah, now. Yeah, saw lots of great people. Yeah, it's done for now. Um, but yeah, it always a tour, you know, with my book. So there there is okay. opportunities to meet readers in person.
0: All right. And do you ever like resp- respond to readers if they tweet at you or anything? Are you pretty oh, all are the you pretty time. bouncy yeah. on social media? Yeah. Yeah,
1: I love hearing from people who have read the book and enjoyed it. All right.
0: All Hi right, people, if you want to talk to her, she'll she'll write back get her before she's so huge
1: <laughs> she doesn't have time
0: that could happen alright listen but I'm not done with you yet what I'd like you to do is, is finish this sentence for me uh, if okay. writing has taught me anything it's taught me what what has it taught you Jessica
1: if writing has taught me anything it has taught me to have faith in myself uh, I think that's, that's probably the biggest thing you, you need a, it takes a good amount of faith in oneself. To sit down and write something and not know if it is all for nothing, if anybody is going <laughs> to see this, if anybody is going right. to care. Um, yeah. So, yes, that's been a, a valuable lesson I've, I've that writing has imparted to me.
0: That is, you know, it's great to hear that from you because uh, you're you're you were a young woman who had a career in a sort of high-powered environment, a cosmopolitan, obviously a major U.S. magazine, Worldwide Magazine. You are working right there, but. I'm sure that gave you some confidence, but it was novel writing in the end, maybe, that that kind of pushed it home in a way that working in a magazine couldn't. Yeah, I think
1: so. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Yeah, it was like I had to step out of my comfort zone, and it was very scary and and uncertain about what would happen. Um, So, you know, I I took that leap anyway, not knowing how it would work out.
0: That's great. Well, listeners, Jessica has taken a, a, a break from her her vacation to do this interview. So we are going to send her back to her husband at his, at his birthday and say, thank you very much. And good luck with this book. And I hope I get to see the luckiest girl alive on the big screen.
1: Thank you. You and me both.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Take it easy, Jessica.
1: All right. Bye.
0: Bye. Bye. Believe in yourself. People got to do it. Got to believe in yourself. Uh, If you don't, I don't think other people will. Sometimes someone who loves you will, but you gotta do it first. Uh, I'm gonna be back next week with friend of the show Robert Degoni. Oh, I've talked to Bob many times. We're gonna talk again about his new, bo- new book, the the what is it called? It's the oh, it's the extraordinary life of Sam Hell. It's a departure for him, a little different. Not a suspense novel really, very interesting. So we're gonna talk about that. Until then, go do something you love. Believe in yourself.